Street Fighter V breaks 3 million in sales. Daigo does not want to see revenge mechanics come back in Street Fighter VI, which might not be utilizing the Unreal Engine. We are certain Rashid is too good. We're not certain if Kami is still too good. Combo Breaker continues to push the envelope. XSK Samurai is on fire. And more on this episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Yep. All right, we're going to get right <laughs> into this and talk about Street Fighter V sales. Um, the game is up to 3.1 million copies, and this is actually more than double what the, na- the, the game uh, initially sold at 1.4 million. And this just shows to me that the Street Fighter franchise has amazing legs on it. And you know, we use that, that term in the, you know, the industry, basically to say something that's going to kind of keep up and, and go and moving, you know, running with legs or whatever, uh, for a long period of time. Um, the, the launch of this game was so abysmal, just so terrible, right? And I mean, uh, I think Ultra David called it like the worst fighting game launch yes. like ever or something. Um, and I, don't, and I think I don't, in recent, like of the recent times, is the worst fighting game launch of recent times, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, like at least of a AAA product, like, you know, maybe um, some obscure game like on DOS or something like that was much worse, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's it's just like, wow, okay. And, and to more than double your initial sales, like the initial sales came out about like two, in about three months actually after, you know the game came out in February 2016. Uh, Capcom said it had 1.4 million, um, and, and here we are. You know, and it does go to show that the the fighting game community appreciates quality. Gamers in general appreciate quality. They want to see this stuff, um, and, and I think the game is pretty well turned around since AE's release. Right? I, I think that's, that that was pretty much like the um, the landmark moment where things came together, and you're like, this feels like a complete product. You're selling a different product at that point. It was the grand reopening. It had a whole, it was more than just a fresh coat of paint. It had a new engine in it, so to speak. You know, all new moving parts with a lot of moving parts that weren't working or weren't existent. And so it makes total sense that you would have more people starting to come in at that point. And the game has been developing ever since. They've been, you know, fixing the the issues. It's just that they had a ton of issues to fix Mm. to begin with. And, and that's, you know, more or less going to happen. I'm sure that that hurt the overall sales. I'm sure they could have started closer to three million, and we would be celebrating that they've gotten to four or five at this point if they had done things right from from the start. But the fact that they have made it here, three point one million, that's pretty respectable, especially when you're talking about fighting games. And it's it's ultimately a good thing, and it's ultimately a big. A heaping pile of lessons learned in the process too, right? So you can count that as part of the win as well. I, I spoke about this franchise having legs, and, and then I, I, I want to remind people here that um, Street Fighter Three and Street Fighter One did not. And of course, you know, conspiracy theory time. Are odd numbers in this franchise cursed? Are we going to get to Street Fighter Seven? And it's like, ah, oh, you know, like it had a bad launch and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the good news is Street Fighter Six is going to be amazing, right? Like based on the fact it's an even anyway. Oh, um, man. But but Street Fighter Three. Okay, it's interesting. That game keeps coming up in my life. Right. When I go to play in tournaments now up in Phoenix, uh, we were we were at this like you know gaming shop slash arcade. They have a bunch of cabinets. They have a third strike cabinet, and I find myself not practicing for Street Fighter Five before it starts. I'm playing Street Fighter Three, and that helps me practice footsies and stuff, right? But I'm playing it there, and then recently it's come up as a as a like as um I was Game Informer top thirty games of all time. They listed Street Fighter Three as the best, and then Maximilian came out with a video one or two days ago, I think it was, where he talks about why. Street Fighter 3 is his favorite mm. and 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 the qualifications and why it's so often regarded as the best fighting game of all time at least the best 2D fighting game that's an opinion but it's a an opinion that's shared by many and so I'll bring this all back it's that was not a commercial success yeah. it was not and it was extremely different from a lot of the things that we're seeing in Street Fighter 5 and man, it's finding that balance of how do you reach the masses? How do you make people happy in the specific fighting game crowd? There's stuff that Daigo just recently talked about that I'm sure we'll get into as well. But man, this whole thing is kind of coming together in an interesting way. Yeah, it, um, Street Fighter 3 was so bad that it uh, it killed the franchise for many years. Um, yeah, for like 10 years, right? Yeah, Almost. Um, Third Strike came out um, in uh, 1999. Uh, and then obviously we got you know Street Fighter 4 10 years later 
as you mentioned. Niners. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, I mean, that kind of break in Street Fighter history had not happened at that point. And it's amazing that the game is so beloved, and, you know, in terms of high-level Grandmaster players, they appreciate the hell out of that game. Um, but it goes to show that if you go too high-level and too high-brow or whatever you want to, you know, term that, that you alienate so many of your fans along the way uh, that are not that good or can't appreciate the game at that level and that's what happened and so the game is has got ultimate cult status right like there's mm-hmm. i don't run across a single fighting game fan that's like oh i hate third strike you know like ah that game sucked or whatever i yeah. probably have the most negative opinions about it because of the balance of the game um but i still appreciate what it is and again that is a lesson learned that capcom learned it's what they brought back with street fighter 4 they're like okay we're gonna return more to the sf2 roots here like we have to get back to this they did it worked out very well for them and here we are and they also introduced in street fighter 4 the revenge Mm -hmm. meter the if you get hit you get something of a reward for getting hit that was what ultras were and that's what v trigger is in street fighter 5 and that's what Daigo doesn't like. Oh, okay. okay. We, we got to save that one. I, I agree. That oh, is a all right. that is a huge one, and I want to get into that. But I, I just want to follow up on just a few things here. All right. But fair first enough. off, you, you say you're playing Street Fighter Three. Who are you playing? Oh, take a guess. First off, Chun take Lee. a guess. You think Chun? I think Chun. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Playing Ken. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not really doing much in the way of combos. All my exploration has been playing footsies to do like low forward into super like just just focusing on that for the most part um i do enjoy the like so when you jump in parrying someone's anti-air or when they're jumping in knowing that they're probably going to try to parry your anti-air the little specific mind games that come about because of third strikes mechanics um putting pressure on someone with just overhead versus throw versus the low forward but i'm not doing big combos i don't know a lot of the intricacies of it i don't know half of the characters like what they do when remy threw two fireballs at me i was like what is this <laughs> um but but i will also say that even not knowing that we have said 3s who's uh, as i understand it one of the one of the best third strike players in america Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's he's as far as I'm concerned, he's the best third strike player in the in the world, no matter what. Because when I was <laughs> first getting into fighting games, he, that was his game. Anyway, anyways, I hold him in very high regard, and I think he's probably the best in our area. Um, that said, like I was playing him, I've never taken a round on him in the few times I played third strike, but we played a whole bunch of sets. He mopped the floor with me for the most part, but I took two games off his Makoto, I took two games off of his Yun, and he does main Chun-Li, and I took two games off of his Chun-Li, and it was so exciting, and then I went and won Street Fighter V in my Ranbat, so Street Fighter Three, you are amazing, I love you, it's it's great, I am on a Street Fighter Three high right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll jump in and say that, I think it was Arturo who was pra- practicing Uniel, uh, or Unist, or, or whatever, you know, uh, version of the game it was at that time and he would go back and play like street fighter 4 and do like really well <laughs> and he was just laughing i think that's when the the, the young art like meme started actually and uh, i might have my wires crossed there so don't quote me on that but uh, that's how i remember it and that's how i want to remember it damn it but i know he was playing another game and it trans uh, you know transferred right over to to street fighter at that time and he was like just kicking everyone's butt in tournament and he was just laughing like crazy because it's like i'm not even practicing and i'm doing so much better for some reason it's amazing and- actually quickly on that note first of all i haven't been playing a ton of street fighter 5 i don't really play it in my free time right now and i need to start doing that more but that said i have been playing a lot of mortal kombat and mortal kombat while i'm not really interested in getting into the competitive side of it mortal kombat has taught me a very valuable lesson that i haven't seen elsewhere or i haven't learned from other games and that is it's essentially it's given me better vision of what my opponent wants to do and then third strike has given me much better vision of footsies and spacing and I've been able to take both of those things and directly implement them into Street Fighter V and have seen um, massive growth because of that. So yet again, this is a lesson that people talk about a lot. Uh, Play other fighting games. They help you see fighting games in general from different angles, and they will help you at the game that you care about the most. Yeah, Justin Wong is a huge advocate for that. And pretty successful guy in the fighting game community. I've, I've kind of heard of him a few times, but but yeah. <laughs> um, he's that content creator guy. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's what he's The crappy tier list guy. Yeah, yeah, and then, well, of course, then he's a you know proud father right now, so then there we go. That's, that's where his you know, efforts are going in, right? So, sure. um, But anyway, I want to go back to the sales here of Street Fighter Five and just say that we actually have now with, with 3.1 million sales and, and continuing to grow, right? I mean, that's like, that's new audience that's buying your game, that's interested in all the other content you're doing. That's a pretty good market size as you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
then what the hell are you doing? Like where it's a shame what's happened in recent times where the last five months we're going, hey, you're selling your game to all these other people. And you're like, oh, here, let me take a dump on your face as you buy this product as well. You know, <laughs> it's, just, it's two <laughs> steps more than one step back again. It's like the same stuff we've been, uh, damn it, why? Like you're doing well. And uh, yeah. Uh, so, big old steamy E Honda dump on your face. <laughs> uh, damn. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to counter that one. So I'll just say that people clearly care about the single player experience here. We've seen this with NRS titles, you know, selling very well, Smash titles doing very well. The multiplayer, the hardcore stuff is nice. We love that and we need that. And we help feed the machine, you know, in the fighting game community. We're an important part of this process as well. Everyone, like so many developers we've talked to over the years are like, we'd love to have our game at Evo and on the fighting game circuit. Like, how do we do that? Um, Different conversation there, but regardless, it's we're an important part of the machine, is what I'm getting at. Um, and I, man, yeah, so I, I hope Capcom hears more of this message loud and clear and says, you know, what has happened over the last five months is going to be an aberration going forward. And and we're hoping, you know, this never happens. They've got that new hire coming in. I hope, you know, that the social media person, the, the guru, whoever they're going to be, and and you know, get out in front of this puppy. And, and there it is. So, you know what I think, Capcom cares most about and i don't necessarily fault them for this or maybe it's let me back that up a little bit i might fault them for it but i certainly see where they're coming from as a business this is speculation but it's also probably right when you're going to make a brand new character which is what i assume you're talking about is how they've just been dry on the dlc character front and no information about it and who knows what's going on and and everyone's kind of upset about that right Mm -hmm. okay so when you make a new character how much manpower does that take for that $6 character versus how much manpower does it take to create Sakura's fancy new party dress, which just was revealed recently that costs four bucks, and Chun-Li's one of her million costumes, and the new stage. I think that Capcom is very much supporting their game, continuing to develop it, and they're developing in the wells, they're digging in the places where the most money is coming up. So I think they have prioritized those things much more Mm. over... It only makes sense. If you're the business, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be continuing to do whatever it is that people are buying. And we're talking about sales. 3.1 million sales is great, but it's also like 3.1 million sales of Street Fighter V is very different than 3.1 million sales of Street Fighter II or any game before DLC was as big of a thing as it is because not only are you getting those initial game sales, you're also getting however much DLC content these people purchase. And... I mean, as much as we like to make jokes about how many Chun-Li costumes there are and how, oh, well, the next doing things differently means we're doing different costumes, and, and that, that joke comes up all the time, I think a big part of why that's funny is because if you think about it, it's very probably true, you know? That's where they're making their money. That's where they're going to put their most of their resources, and they probably can't just abandon making characters altogether, and I don't think they are, but I think that they're going to put a lot... Who, who cares about how much people are talking with their money's going somewhere else? And I'm not saying stop buying costumes or anything like that. I'm saying this is probably why we're seeing what we're seeing. And uh, I guess we can continue to talk about it from there because I don't have much to say beyond you know, that I, right now. Yeah, I... I, I... I want to argue with you, right? Because like that's hurting me to my core at this moment in time. Well, that, please do, because yeah, I hope that's not the case. But I, <laughs> that's a, what it looks like. I know, and it's it's and that's the problem with the lack of messaging is we're left to speculate on this stuff, and sometimes it goes down a very you know dark and negative place that, that we don't want it to go to. But here we are, right? And you know, calling Sakura's you know dress uh, dark and negative is you know whatever. But anyway, my point is, yeah, I I wanna I wanna debunk that right and say no, it can't be that way. And I've got thoughts going on, and just I can't do it. And, and and it's disappointing that I can't. And you know, please Capcom, you know, come out and say otherwise. You know, let us know what's going on. We'd love to hear it. And, and, and I caution anyone that hears that, that, that you know, just heard me say that and, and, and maybe hadn't thought about it before, don't take that as, as that's what's going on. That's not necessarily law. That's me putting forward a hypothesis based on what I'm seeing. If new information comes up, if Capcom speaks, if we see new developments, whatever, that very much could change. But Occam's razor, you know, this seems yeah. like the path of least resistance. This seems like the most likely thing from what I can see, from the evidence in front of me thus far. So that's where I'm thinking we might be at mm, rough all right well now we better move on let's talk about daigo because i'm much more oh, okay, excited yeah. about him yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I will set the stage here i i think this is a very important context to, to state with daigo and i 
I'm going to say, because it's going to be maybe a little bit negative, more more than I want it to be, right? Um, I'll just say that Daigo is a bit wishy-washy when he is discussing things. And, and I know this from people who know him and have talked with him on, you know, a personal level for quite a bit, that he's very go with the flow. Like, you'll suggest something or, or talk about a subject and he'll he'll oftentimes very much go along with it. And so the video that, that came out here, Daigo is saying, like, one line he's saying, if there's easy comeback mechanics, it's not a sport. And then a second later he says, well, I don't mean it's not a sport. And it's like, okay. And then he does it again and he says, um, I don't think we need comeback mechanics anymore. And then a second later he says, well, I guess some comeback mechanics are, are fine. So, and I only say that. Yeah, the lamest ass answer ever. (laughs) I only say that to just say, Daigo's fairly wishy-washy with like his approach on things. Like you can't take it to the bank with him. And I will just add in here that he's also one of the most generous and wonderful people in the fighting game community. Uh, He's done so much for our scene. Like if this is the, you know, the biggest negative I can give him, and I don't think it's a big negative. It's just, you know, part of his personality. He's very go with the flow. Um, uh, It's just, I just want to see that like up front. Like I'm a huge Daigo fanboy and always will be. Um, but there it is. So. Well, when you talk about Daigo speaking in front of a microphone, giving an interview, which doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, you know, like you know, I'm friends with Born Free, and he talked about getting interviews with Daigo, and he's never even really been all that gung ho. You know, he only has so many people that he can go to when he goes to these events, and he's got to kind of bide his time and schedule and figure out when the translators can be around and such. So it's a whole process, and Daigo has. He's interviewed him, but it's very rarely been a priority. And he said as much. Bourne has said as much because Daigo really doesn't give you much often. He's usually just going the safe route, saying what, not necessarily what you want to hear, but just saying the safe answer that isn't surprising anybody, that isn't news, that you've probably heard other people talk about. And Daigo goes, yeah, that would be good. And it's nothing controversial. He's like the opposite of Bonchan, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and so, and, and that's fine. And there's a lot more, like you say, to love Daigo for. We're not here to hear his, his interviews. You know, we're here to watch him play fighting games and, and be part of the community in, in other ways. And that's just fine. But yeah, you're not expecting a lot from Daigo interviews. You're not expecting to be wowed most often. That said, uh, we had the video from FGC Translated where he took a snippet of Daigo speaking about Street Fighter Six, like you said. And I think the fact that he brought up the revenge mechanic specifically, mm-hmm. the idea that when you get hit, there's a bit of a reward... I think that is some truth poking through the Daigo interview facade a bit. Um, Because Daigo comes from a time, and I think he says this too, like how fighting games used to be. He comes from a time. Yeah, no, go ahead and and say that statement, and and I I have to jump in right after that because I come from the same period as, as Daigo does. Sure. Well, I mean, that's, that's essentially it is that before, before you were at all rewarded for getting hit. And it sounds like he wants to go back to that place because he's tired of giving people training wheels, essentially. Okay, so he, he basically says that, that one of the main takeaways there is that if you if you redistribute the offensive reward that you give players for, for playing offense, right, that you don't need a comeback mechanic. And I was just like mind blown with that statement because Street Fighter 4, a very defensive game. Street Fighter 3, same thing. Alpha 2, notoriously defensive. And it makes me think that he's going all the way back to Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo because that is one of the few games in the franchise that has been heavily based upon offense until now with Street Fighter 5. Um, uh, these games are all about footsies, they're all about control, they're all about that kind of stuff. Like Alpha 2 was notorious for being one of the most hardcore defensive games. Um, Street Fighter 4 was so defensive they had to add in Vortex and like just complete lock you down options once you got that opening, right? Because there were so many defensive you know capabilities that you could well, use. I feel like Vortex was something that they didn't necessarily plan to have in there. I think it's something that like that kind uh, of emerged. You need to back up and, and hear uh, Peter Combofine Rosas talk about when he went to Capcom uh, and talk about Street Fighter 4 because that was very intentional. It was very intentional and he proved why that intention was not a good thing to do. Oh boy. I'm getting myself into very dangerous territory now. Um, I I cannot say anything more about that story. Uh, I, the more I, and I might have to go back and edit that out. Um, <laughs> I have not, I, I did not say anything at all, but uh, I, I have evidence otherwise. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so anyway, so I, I go back to what Daigo said here and, and just, I, I, I get what he's saying. Like, 
fundamentally, and I understand it, but there's a reason how come Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is not as played as it used to be. Um, and, you know, in the fighting game community will stick with stuff. Look at Melee. Melee is still an incredibly popular game. Um, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is still played and, and, and heavily respected. Um, so, you know, Darkstalkers like 3, Vampire Savior, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, that's there. But I personally feel like the revenge mechanics like when they're done well they're great like i street fighter 4's um uh, ultra you know mechanics like they had broken aspects to them but overall i thought they were done really well i enjoyed x factor and marvel because marvel is an extreme game you don't play marvel to have tame stuff happening to you it's all about having 50 fireballs on screen getting chipped out by sentinel because he you know and and freaking storm and all that and like that is marvel it's supposed to be broken that's what makes a game and you have a comeback mechanic like x factor in there it's like hell yeah that is exactly what i expect where the problem comes in with comeback mechanics is where they're broken to the point of robbery where it's not with what the game is trying to do you know like what we've talked about in street fighter 5 and what did happen in ultra street fighter 4 with some characters is they had robbery you know v uh, uh, ultras like rufus did in you know season one uh or uh the first vanilla you know street fighter I'm getting my terminology here confused yeah um, but anyway, they, they universally had to tone down, you know, ultras, basically, uh, because they were, you know, too robbery, too much of a comeback mechanic. So I get what Daigo is saying here, but I just like I fundamentally disagree with a number of the things he's brought up. It's like, dude, these are proven to work. If you ask me, the, the modern games that we have right now, they're doing really well, all things considered. It's like, don't reinvent the wheel if you don't need to. Comeback mechanics, they we didn't have them before and we kind of needed them, you know, and they led to a lot of problems like with Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. As you mentioned, they didn't have those. And so you got a huge life lead with Chun-Li and except for like the Evo moment, like, you know, Evo moment 37, you, you had a lot of matches and like lame time overs and you had Street Fighter cross Tekken type stuff going on. It wasn't that bad. Um, certainly that game took it to an extreme, but it's nice to have a shot at a comeback. Just that comeback, sh that, that shot at it shouldn't be super strong and like dominating and defining a game. Yeah, this is a, well, this is a messy situation because I can see both sides uh, and it's hard to even know where to start. But first and foremost, I'll say what I, what I think I know. And that is, I don't think that these are going away. I think that when you look at the success of previous fighting games, like Third Strike, we were talking about that, it didn't do well. Why? Well, because to be good at that game, you got to be really good at that game. And it doesn't, it's not inviting to new players that aren't willing to just get their asses kicked for so long, right? And that's that's been fighting games in a nutshell. And that's one of the restrictions of fighting games, but it's also what contributes to the reward of actually being good at this. And if your goal is to expand your audience, then you're going to have to, well, it's not that you have to, but one of the ways you can do that is to make it be, be nicer to the new people, be nicer to the person that's getting their ass kicked and give them something of a big gun at the end so that maybe they can feel good when they, they got that wake up super to work. Mm -hmm. And that is fun. And that's fun to watch, mm -hmm. but it's fun to watch for certain people and you got to balance you know the the greener and less intense and less yeah. you know focused people and the people that know the intricacies of fighting games and, and can appreciate a parry let's give some people some examples and and that's easy with street fighter 5 right name some examples of where that went too far uh, off the top robbery of characters season 2 yuri and balrog laura where it where i like tokido's quote the round didn't start until the v trigger for balrog came into play and it was it it took away from almost all of the match and it just became about whether or not Balrog guessed correctly on his attempt to hit you with his V-Trigger stuff. And if he did, you would probably lose. And if he didn't, he would probably lose. And at that point, all you're looking, all you're watching, as far as the competition goes, is who blocks these 50-50s correctly. All the rest of it is kind of, uh, it's not worthless, but it's certainly diminished. And a lot of us don't want to see that when we watch fighting games. But how cool is it when the big flashy comeback, the character that's losing gets you know just suddenly beating the crap out of the other guy taking him coast to coast ends it with a super the the screen flashes the crowd goes wild they stand to their feet it's great but uh, it's it's like a, it's kind of a quick reward it's a short-term solution it feels 
Right. And I love that you use the example of Balrog uh, because Bonchan infamously said something that um, pissed Capcom off, like developers there, like really bad at him. Uh, he called, called Balrog schmishmarted. There you go. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so there were some repercussions there. And so this stuff can can go bad. Right. Um, but I'm a big believer that if you have something go bad like that, if it's the exception instead of the norm. I think you're okay. You just have to make sure that you you know normalize that that stuff when it does come up. And I think Capcom's done a pretty fair job of that in Street Fighter Five. We don't have you've talked about it a lot. The balance is pretty well you know pretty well done. And I don't care what anyone says. I think V triggers are a huge comeback mechanic. Again, they come in and they're they're, they're shaping the the whole scope of many matches um, yes. to a pretty good degree at least, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I, again, I think they're overall done pretty well. I mean, do you think that that's right? Or do you think that maybe there's a better way, like what Daigo's talking about here, where maybe you just make offense even better and you just don't even have like a, you know, a, a V trigger type system where you gain, you know, meter by losing life. With where we're at now, with how we've had two games of, uh, two games, Street Fighter specifically, um, that they've been doing this and they've seen immense success with Street Fighter 4. It revitalized the franchise and they've seen 3.1 million sales for Street Fighter 5 plus all the DLC. Um, obviously success and we've got the Capcom Pro Tour. They've seen success with this mechanic being a thing. I don't think it's going away. Now, that said, they don't need to blow it up to be even bigger. Mm-hmm. They've they've very clearly seen that they've gone too far with it, and they've dialed it back. So that tells me that they're aware that there is a limit, and if you pass that, you're going to piss off too many people. So I don't think that we're going to... I think there's going to be revenge factor in Street Fighter Six, but... Uh, I think that they could do a good job of handling it. And I don't necessarily agree with Daigo through and through. I don't think that Mm -hmm. you have to get rid of it completely. That is a thing. And Third Strike is very fun, and it doesn't have that. And there are a lot of very fun fighting games that don't have that. But I don't think it's a reality. You'd have to change everything, and it's something that's working. Is Capcom or fighting game creators going to change something that's working uh, to just go on some new venture? It's like, hell no, is, is my guess. So... Um, as long as it is heavily uh, regulated and it is not the be-all, end-all for the game and it is one like small component where these comebacks can happen. And, and there's plenty of examples. Street Fighter V is decently, it's minus G's retrigger right now, is, is pretty good about this kind of stuff where you can have this happy medium and people are excited to see what well, some of the hypest times are when Ibuki, you know, when Fujimura lands in Ibuki mix-up with their V-Trigger 2 or, I mean, as... as a pain in the ass as it was, Abigail's V-Trigger was hype, you know? And so, and I think you want some hype. You need to let those possibilities always be there. People don't want to see timeouts every single time. They don't want to see the leader take a lead and then just turtle and such. Like, I get that. And and especially if you're becoming an eSport, it's not as simple as like, let's just get rid of this thing that's working. It, like, maybe it's, maybe it's 15% of what goes into deciding the end of a round or deciding a round as opposed to 50% or something like that. Mm-hmm. As long as it's put in its place, there is a place for it. I mean, I started competitive fighting games with this. It's, it's always been me. Third Strike was different to me when, when not having that. Um, so I, I think that Capcom's, and, and I also say, I think they're in probably a pretty good place. I think they have good information on this. And I think with a lot of things in fighting games, we're seeing things get refined uh, where, where the pendulum has swung too far in one direction, too far in another. I think Mortal Kombat's a pretty good example of this where they might not be perfect with where they're at now, but they've made a lot of progress and you can tell that they have their eyes on a goal that you want them going towards. And I think that's all that we can really ask. And I think that Street Fighter and Capcom are on that route. So I'm looking forward to Street Fighter VI and, uh, and I think that it will have revenge, but it'll be okay. All right, there you have it, folks. John Velociraptor Guerrero says Daigo is an idiot and doesn't know what he's talking about. Boom, that's your headline. So let's go there. So anyway, <laughs> moving right along to the stuff you know um, that you know less controversial here. Uh, Combo Breaker has given out a forty-eight page, or will be giving out, I should say, a forty-eight page guidebook. Um, to attendees for the thing they've got a guns and roses uh appetite for destruction like cover on there um this is the kind of thing you you'd expect from attending like a major event outside of the fighting game community you know like mm-hmm. the brochure or whatever this thing is so cool and professional looking uh you brought this up like uh we had to talk about it what do you think yeah it's like when you go to a broadway play or something along those lines and they give you a pamphlet and it feels it doesn't necessarily feel necessary 
but it feels like a another level of acknowledgement, another level of professionalism. And Combo Breaker has been like just in recent times, year after year, pushing the envelope to to into new territory, being wowing us with new things, acknowledging all of the different you know sub communities that uh, you know of the fighting game community that end up at Combo Breaker. It doesn't matter. You play Skullgirls, you play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fighting game, you play Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, whatever. Combo Breaker has, you know, Rick and his team have really gone out of their way to acknowledge the 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 community and the sub communities, and it's grown as an event. It's on time, and it's it, it has minimal issues, and they dot their eyes and they cross their T's, and this is yet another example of that. And this particular book. Last year they gave, I think they gave posters out, and they still give little, um, maybe like single page, uh, you know, information posters to to let you know, like you know, when stuff's going down, schedules, maybe a layout of the venue because it's 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 a whole resort, you know, you can get lost in there fairly easily, especially when you're going around looking for food and whatnot. But a lot of you know, that's just not a normal thing in a major fighting game tournament, and they're doing this. And not only are they doing this, it's a full 48 page book, and, and um, they have like great artists coming out of the community, like Richard Suono, I think is his name, and he's the one that did that. It's the appetite for brutality, and it has Mortal Kombat characters in the place of the Guns N' Roses um, heads from that famous album. And I think that's just, I don't, I don't know that it's on the cover, I think it's just one of the pages. Uh, but there's there are multiple artists that are featured from the fighting game community, right? And then they have, uh, of course, a couple of ads for, but it's fighting game related stuff from what I've seen. You know, here's this controller, the Victrix or whatever. Or here's these, he- you know, these headphones you might be interested in. And then there are a bunch of write ups from from people like Ace King Offsuit, and that guy does great work, and and he's very very passionate about the fighting game community. So you you know if those that maybe they're there for a different game, and in they come across his Mortal Kombat 11 write-up and they get to kind of explore and maybe that makes you want to play that game or test it out or something. But the point is, there are so many things offered in this little thing that didn't have to be a thing at all. And you're running a huge event with all of these different games and all of these different deadlines and chaos and stress. And I have not put on one of these myself, but uh, Driftwood has, and he's right next to me as my roommate. And I've seen all the work that goes into just putting on a much smaller event than Combo Breaker. I mean, the passion here is amazing. And Combo Breaker, uh, CEO, uh, events like this just really deserve all of the positive attention that they get. Mm-hmm. And they are, they are, you know, in, in many ways, the torchbearers for the FGC and this avenue of tournament evolution um, and moving forward. It's a really good thing for all of us. Mm-hmm. So this small, you know, thing of a of a forty eight page pamphlet that tells you where the streams are, you know, which streams are what and where to go and and you know little things like that is an indicator, a small indicator of a much bigger victory for the FGC. And I thought that that deserves some shout out. Yeah, very much so. It's um it's really nice to see everyone's getting you know together to play video games, right? How do you innovate on that? It's like stuff like this. You know, it's it's simple, but you enhance your experience and you make more things happen for the community and you know the people who attend it who pay a lot of money to go. You know and. It is not a lucrative industry for for many of the TOs. They they do this a lot for passion. I I think that, uh, you know, many of the good ones, you know, make a decent amount of money on it. But, you know, the time they have to invest in it to make it happen and all that kind of stuff, it's it's. Uh, you definitely can lose money on this too. You know, is where I'm getting at. So, um, and we're all happy if you make if you do yeah. an event good enough to make money off of it, then it's well deserved. Exactly. So, um, my point here is is just like the fact that they continue to invest in this and really make it a thing, and, and just invest in our infrastructure and the community. It's just awesome. You know, and whatever you know, whatever gains they get from that, like are as you say, well deserved. Uh, you, we all tip our hat to stuff like this. Um, and these are two events I really need to get out and you know partake of it, and that's combo breaker and ceo i've never been able to go just yet and they're two very high on my list of of where i have to go in the future i gotta get out to these so so there it is exactly and i will say just as kind of an ender if you guys agree with this you hear us talking about this or you see these you know these these tos and these community figures making going the extra mile like this 
I encourage you support with whatever you can, mm-hmm. you know, donate or, or attend the event or buy the thing or, you know, follow them on social media, whatever you can, because you do that and these things stick around and they continue to grow. But if you go, oh, that's really nice. And you click away. I mean, you can do that, but you do it too many times or too many people do it and it, it goes away. Yeah. So. It, it, that's an easy way of doing it too, to show support. It's like, hey, retweet their stuff, you know, and tell other people about it if that might be interested. You know, tell some friends and help them with promotion. You know, that it's a great way of doing it. Doesn't cost anything except for a little bit of your time. And, and there you go. This is how we become League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> not going to go that far, but yeah, they're, they're not a bad idea, right? Um, so next up here, uh, we've got Capcom potentially moving away from the Unreal Engine uh, in the future and using the RE Engine, um, which they've used on like Devil May Cry, uh, the new Resident Evil 2 um, remake and stuff like that. Um Specifically, Capcom was asked if people uh, should expect any changes for the future Street Fighter titles uh, following their esports push with Street Fighter V. And I'm going to quote here. And they said in their investor relations report, they cannot lie here, uh, we would like to explore ways to provide added value to players such as features, and heighten their sense of immersion. Uh, however, we have nothing specific to share at this time. We will examine this issue based on the data that we gather uh, through upcoming league, uh, league play. If I can get that word out there. There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And then they, they go on to explain, to get back into the engine stuff, um, that the games that they've developed using the RE engine uh, during this current hardware generation have received critical acclaim. And from the early stages of building this engine, we've kept the ability to augment for the next generation you know, consoles that are coming. Um, so as such, we view the RE engine as one of our strengths that will contribute to the next generation game creation. Uh, and this is all kind of like, it wasn't exactly like in the Street Fighter stuff, but it's like kind of in the same area you know and and so we wondered about it and then matt edwards jumped on twitter and said i wonder what these games could possibly be that capcom's tweeting about and matt edwards is you know the street fighter uk uh, community guy does a nice job out there and you know so it could be like hey it's Mega Man 12 it could be whatever um but i will throw back to people and say that marvel 3 was developed on the mt frameworks engine which was basically kind of the 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 previous engine of the re engine is kind of a way of saying it mm. so it's even though they use these these games to develop you know resident evil devil may cry and all that kind of stuff and, and put those out there there is a, a precedent established where they use this for fighting games as well and, and marvel 3 was very well praised for a number of things and it kind of makes me wonder like might they be going away from the unreal engine and might they be using something in-house that they're more familiar with and then use that to kind of beef up the single player content that has kind of been an issue for a long time right like they're using something they're much more familiar with they have better development tools they're able to do that single player content with other games is this kind of like what they needed to fully flip the switch and get kick-ass single player content out there for fighting games so this is not traditionally my wheelhouse but i have been around and have had you know my eye on this kind of stuff in more recent years mainly since street fighter 5 came out it runs on unreal and I go, oh, okay, that, that seems significant because it's kind of a, a bump up. And the Unreal Engine is is a standard for a lot of games, and it has been. It's been used by a lot of games, right? I think there's a – I'm not sure exactly all of them, but I think – is Tekken running on that and is Soul Calibur? Yeah, I think most, there are a lot. I don't know if Soul Calibur is. I think it is. Um, but most modern fighting games run on Unreal. I know I know. You Tekken see and, that yeah. logo pop up at a lot of, of loading screens, mm-hmm. right? And so I go, okay, well, this must be the, the fancy new thing that's really working out. That said, there has been a lot of talk that the Unreal Engine is also linked to things like the input lag mm-hmm. that was such a, such a hampering on Street Fighter V specifically. And, and Bandai Namco actually went in and, um, what is it, they, they tackled that earlier on with Tekken 7, and apparently it, it was a, a whole process. It was not easy, mm-hmm. but they did it because well, it's a big deal. And so maybe we're finding out that the Unreal Engine isn't the best thing for our purposes here in terms of fighting games. That might be the case. I would be very okay with them trying something else because from my limited point of view it seems like unreal engine hasn't been the best i'm sure it, it offers a lot of freedoms and it, it allows for a lot of things that we wouldn't have and an, i'm sure it's been a very good thing in a lot of ways but it also seems as though it's been the uh, the cause of a lot of issues and so yeah i'll, I'll jump in I'll, I'll say from a developer perspective like people might be wondering how this impacts you know capcom in a way that you know it's going to be positive right 
Well, when you have an in-house development tool, you're able to go over to the programmers and say, hey, look, we're struggling with this feature are doing it this way. Can you guys change that and make it, you know, go? And you can do that with someone else's engine, engine like the Unreal Engine, right? Like NRS is notorious for having a heavily modified version of the Unreal 3 engine that they're using, which is, you know, the previous generation of the engine. Right now, most games are on Unreal 4 uh, in the fighting game community. So they've modified the heck out of it and made it work. That's great. But that may not work very well for Capcom's developers. You know, like uh, the Unreal team may be mostly like English speakers, right? So you're not necessarily able to go to them and figure out some of the stuff if most of, you know, your staff members speak Japanese. And so it might make more sense and be much more beneficial for Capcom to have all that stuff in-house with their own people and running it and doing it. And again, why you use an, uh, an engine like Unreal or anything else is to save time, right? It's a lot of stuff is built for you. Um, but if you run into these issues, you can potentially not save that much time and, you know, have more long-term things and more kind of nagging, like stuff that you're not able to fix without, you know, putting in a heavy amount of resources to do something like input lag, as you were just talking about where Capcom said, this is not a trivial fix to do. Um, it's very hard. Uh, then the Unreal team actually did come out with a fix for input lag themselves, which Capcom was able to, you know, put in there. Uh, the Tekken team did it themselves or, or something like that. I, I don't know the exact details of how they went about it, but just an example here of, of some of the stuff you can get hung up on, and that's frustrating for developers. They don't like to see that their game is you know, buggy or having issues or anything of that nature. That's a very heavy uh, point of pride. Um, and actually, even the Street Fighter 2 days, like they discovered some of the bugs that we love, like cuffs and other things like that. And the developers, like I, I think one of them said, like I was going to come in and hand in my resignation after they discovered that bug because of how upset I was about it. And, and so, wow. yeah, just to give people an idea, I, I don't you know, that doesn't speak for every developer out there, but they definitely do not w want bugs and problems in their system. It's very much a point of pride there for them. Yeah. Well, if Unreal Engine was indeed the cause of, of, I mean, a significant portion of the problems that Street Fighter V found itself in, or at least part of the cause, I'm excited to see if they go in a different direction, if those particular issues aren't in the next kind of chapter that we go through. Mm-hmm. So moving along then, we have uh, the weekend stat story we did for the last, um, this last weekend, we had three major tournaments go on, and Akuma, Rashid, and Kami were the characters at the very top of the heap. And, no and Kami, yeah, yeah, Kami was tied for third, you know, like, like with some other characters and stuff, but damn it, these characters continue to be a, an overall problem with the game. And, and to me... I, I just, I look at this stuff and I, I see it very much as a point of frustration for players. And I was talking to Majin Tension Hand and he said, I, I was asking him about the Kami versus, you know, Alex matchup. And he's like, you know, it's not a good matchup for Alex, but it's not too bad. Um, but uh, the, how I would equate this is like, okay, I'm playing Alex and I know I have to play like five Kamis in front of me. You know, we even ran a story about that, actually. I think it was uh, Haitani. Um, and, you know, this is season three, but he, he like he had to play like five or six Kamis in a row, you know, to get to where he got to. Um, he's playing Akuma. So, you know, shed, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many, <laughs> how many tears people him. are going to yeah shed on that one. But, you know, again, if you are playing a character like Alex and realizing you have to, you know, face so many of these it's why i go back to i really think that these top tiers need to be reduced in power until they're they're not as oppressive as they are and when we continually say each and every week like hey who are the number one characters akuma kami rashid i see a big problem there and and i, I will just say you know for alex players out there who are probably you know pulling their hair out like over what i just said about kami they're like why are you not talking more about rashid i get that rashid is probably alex's worst matchup in the game or close enough to it uh, i understand that but i look at the three characters and i see them as a collective problem that could be tweaked i don't want to see them obliterated just like hey capcom we know they're great why not knock each of these three down a bit just a bit you know, I haven't, like I said earlier, been playing too much Street Fighter V in recent times, and so I haven't been as frustrated by characters like this. Now, we uh, internally here, we talked about jumping further into these three specifically and kind of investigating them. So I spent some time with Rashid in the training room. Um, and you mentioned specifically to us, like, hey, check out how far his, uh, what was it, his medium punch mixer carries medium you. Medium spitting mixer, yeah. To the corner, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm investigating this, and I haven't played a Rashid in too long uh, online and such, but all of the negative feelings came rushing back in this whirlwind, uh, and my life became this hellscape with Rashid faces everywhere. The character, it, it, 
I, I don't like him. I don't like him. He's not breaking the game. I'll still play the game. That said, I, I just I try to picture how they were developing this character and what they were thinking about when they were, were putting them all together. And I just, I can't imagine anything except for like jokes because of what they gave him. And he's been heavily, heavily nerfed since the beginning of these of, of Street Fighter. He's He had way better normals and options and such, and things have been tweaked down and still we're having this kind of a conversation about the character. What are some of the things that you hate most about him? Uh, right now is the corner carry and the corner escape. That is the thing that jumps out at me the most. It is so frustrating one to pin Rashid down and he like just kind of jumps at an odd angle and like gets a mix up on you and puts you back in the corner. And then the other thing is like to get hit once in neutral and like be like, you know, half screen and all of a sudden I am pinned down in the corner. It's just so frustrating. You know, after he wins in between rounds, if you don't hit skip forward, he with his big douchey Rashid smile, does a little backflip and he goes, all right, I did it. 10 points. And it's like this the this whirlwind of douchiness that comes at you. Even if you're not looking at it, you can see his douchebag smile. You know what adds insult to injury is that the character is so smug about it, and he's like on your team. When he does that, he beats you with this dumb stuff, right? Like, oh, I just happened to have like amazing normals, and I carried you to the corner for free, and you cornered me, and your reward is I get out and I put you in the corner. And then after all of that, he has this attitude of, Oh, yeah, guys. Like, he's like the brand new guy that just joined the Learned Masters, and he has a win button, so it goes well for him early on, and everybody else is rolling their eyes. And he's like, huh, I got the better of you, but you did really good, too. And everyone's like, get out of here, you total douchebag. And so when I picture the, like, the suits at Capcom that were designing this character, they were like, let's give him a way to push you all the way into the corner. And when you're already there... Let's give him a way to jump out of the fucking points corner. That'd be great. Yeah, he's just he's gonna be able to do everything you want. And every time we talk about him, when we say Rashid gets out of the corner, we never say he just gets out of the corner. We say, and then he gets out of the I did it corner. And it's because it's such an emotional experience when he does that crap, right? And I and so that combined with the the douchiness factor, I think Capcom designed this character just to troll people a little bit. I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure that Rashid was invented for those purposes mainly. Rashid got out of the Ten points again. Yeah, it, it, it's great, and we don't often swear on the podcast. But guess what? This is what Rashid has brought us to. Here we are right now, <laughs> douchebag Rashid. That that needs to be his new name. I think like douchebag Rashid is not like Rashid of the turbulent point. douche or something like that. I don't know. Gosh. We're gonna get in trouble. This is, by the way, this is our fifty-second episode. So this is the one-year mark as far as regular episodes, and it's probably our last one because of all this too. So. It's been a fun ride, guys. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> so uh, before we, you know, I think we've, we've harped on Rashid enough. I think people realize what the problem is there. Hey, spinning mixer, just make it not corner carry like so far, you know, and then like make his corner escape a little harder to do. And if you want an example of how to make that work or maybe not work, but you know, ignore <laughs> that, uh, you could just look at Vega. You know, and there you go. <laughs> Taken care of. You have a perfect model of how to tweak that Capcom. Boom. There you are. So um, anyway, moving along here, uh, we've also got Akuma who continues to kind of, you know, dominate in terms of stats. Like he's the number one character right now, usually. And, you know, uh, just to shout that out again real quick, uh, Crouching Heavy Punch, I have even seen Tokido get into the middle of a round and he's kind of sure not what to do and he spams crouching heavy punch over and over again that's his like he reaches down uh and will crush counter you and and it's like you're tokido you are a genius of fighting games you're not good you're a genius and you run out of options and you're resorting to this move sometimes i, well, I'm like, I don't think it's that he's out of options i think it's just such a good idea it's to do idea, it right okay well, <laughs> let me take that back so boom there it is so when you have a move that's that good maybe you should reduce the power of that a bit you know and and just increase the startup a bit and then you can move on from it you know maybe you can tweak stuff like his air fireballs like in v trigger maybe they have a bit less hit stun but just taking away kind of a mindless option that's really great like it's so easy even you know tokido is going to do it you know some type thing yeah okay get rid of it please um or you know tone it down i should say and that's kind of where it start there 
Well, so like, how would you do that though? Would you give it more startup, startup or more? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just give the move more startup. Like, add two or three, four, uh, two to three more frames of startup on it, and I think that really takes care of a huge issue with it. And at that point, yeah, you can spam it, but the, your odds of like catching it with like a normal or some other thing are so much better. It's fairly fast for a crush counter button that's that good. Um, it, it's it's pretty darn strong. So juxtaposed with all of his other footsie tools too, or actually rather just working with all of his other footsie tools too. I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from there and, and would not be at all sad to see that kind of a tweak to him. And and then I guess as far as Rashid goes, just less pushback with his... Uh, oh, I, I studied specifically what the pushback was. I forgot to mention that. If you're in the middle of the training stage and he hits a, a combo into medium spinning mixer and then mashes the button to get the maximum distance, um, there are a total of eight training mode squares on the ground between the middle of the stage and as far back towards the corner as you can go. He takes you six of the eight from the middle. So that gives you an idea. So I guess technically there are 16 total squares. Um, he takes you six of them at a time when hitting. So that gives you an idea of how much the corner carry is. So I would get rid of uh, some of that corner carry, maybe half it or something like that. And then as far as when he like drops the knees out of the corner, I would make him like negative or, or some like negative three or something like that. So maybe he still escapes the corner, but you're going to get something of a punish depending on the character. Maybe it's just damage. If you're Akuma, I think that means you can just flip him right back into the corner with a full combo because Akuma's great. Um, something like that. But he shouldn't be plus after he jumps out of the corner and crosses you up. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and, and just to, to follow up on that, since we're doing math here, um, uh, Akuma's crouching heavy punches 10 frames of startup right now. Let's get that sucker up to 12 or 13. Um, that's very reasonable for how powerful of a button that is. Uh, mm. You're not really using it in combos, you know, for the most part. It's a setup button. So, you know, it just makes it so a little less spammable. Uh, you know, you can make it more punishable on whiff and stuff like that. That's fine too. But it's already like 20 frames on whiff right now. You can whiff punish it. It's just you're terrified to do much of anything because, you know, ugh. anyway. Yeah, I think similar button. I, I think Nikali's standing roundhouse is in like the wheelhouse of 12 or 13 frames off the top of my head, I think. So yeah, that would make total sense. Right. So now we're going to get to the cami in the room. And, oh, no. and this has been a debate here among our team. And we're talking about like what needs to be done. And the thing that we've settled on right now, well, I should say settled on the thing that we're arguing about right now is pushback on her normals. And we're not sure. Like, you know, it's, I think this is actually very important to state. Uh, I was talking with John about this earlier. And, and I said that, look, there's never been a perfectly balanced character in a fighting game. Nor has Capcom or any other company done a perfect balance, you know, patch that that fixes everything you know and all problems and whatnot it's always guesstimates on their part and on our parts and we're, we're talking about the stuff trying to make it better right are we fundamentally addressing the problems that exist and are those problems even problems to begin with right mm -hmm. so there's a lot of debate there's a lot of things that are very open to interpretation here. You you have to, you know, keep that in mind when you're discussing all this stuff. So, you know, put that out there, except for Rashid, who deserves everything he gets. But anyway, um, <laughs> with Kami, uh, the main things we're looking at are standing light kick, which um, actually is, uh, Kami has one of the worst throw ranges in the game. That's one of her, like, character traits, you know, traditionally. And even then, like, uh, uh, stand uh, light kick, if it's blocked, she's still close enough to land a follow-up through afterwards. And mm -hmm. I personally feel like with it being a plus one move and just kind of how often I see it spammed for Kami and with her walk speed, it's just too damn good. You know, and I would like it to have uh, the pushback of a standing light punch. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, as far as the specifics of uh, how much Kami gets in, in the way of pushback and how much pressure she kind of gets when she's up in your face... Combined, you got to keep in mind the ability she has to get in your face, and and that's with like ex dive kick and such. After studying things, I don't think that the problem is so much, um, and this is kind of where we differ. Mm -hmm. That uh, she like her pressure is too strong, especially when you compare it to the like other rushdown characters like Karen or Bison or Nikali. I think she falls pretty much in line with what they're able to do. In fact, I think they can do some of these things even better than she can. But you have to keep into account that she can get up into your face very quickly and very easily. Um, and even if you're blocking those dive kicks, like, great, now she's doing what we're talking about. And if you didn't block it, well, then now she's just getting her damage. And then she's doing what we're talking about. Um, so I don't think it's so much when she's up next to you. I think it's like her method of getting there. And so if I were to change something about her, it would be more about making or forcing the dive kick to be more precise in order to get that opening. I feel that 
um, you some some kind of a tweak to make it so that you have to hit specifically and maybe not be as plus as it can be because you can make her ex dive kick freaking plus four very not a lot of situations where you're plus four after stuff and um, and that again is also a situation where maybe she hit you and and she gets a full combo and then oki but I think that maybe she can be like plus two at best and and that's if she hits you in the ankles and that takes skill to earn that plus two right and and, and there is a certain amount of skill right now with the dive kicks because you go too high and and you are being punished so it's not like they're just this super free get in but if you're going to regulate her more and it's the problem is that like when she's in your face she's too oppressive i think she's okay relatively speaking with her oppression i think she shouldn't be able to get it as easily as she does and so my fix to that would be to make uh, to force a little more skill with the dive kick. Yeah, and I'm on the other end of the spectrum with the, uh, I think the V trigger, you know, dive kicks are extremely good and maybe you tweak those, but I already feel like that her normal dive kick and her EX dive kick have to be hit with quite a bit of precision, you know, to, to get them. Um, uh, her her normal dive kick, if you hit someone on the top of the head, it's negative six. Like most characters are going to be able to punish that, especially with the range that she's at. Uh, and then EX dive kick at top of the head is negative is five, right? So you already have to position those very well. Um, V trigger, you could just kind of do it. And, and you're going to be like, you know, plus 10 or whatever it is. Like you're going to be in a pretty good spot. And we're just kind of like throwing it out there willy nilly. Uh, and so that's where we differ on this. And, and what I want to actually encourage people to do is, you know, jump into the comments, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Um, Cami mains out there are people that have, you know, strong opinions about this. Let us know, you know, what we think. Like we're debating it too. We're happy to hear your feedback about it. Um, and, uh, and I'll go into another one here real quick. And that would be uh, her crouching medium punch where I've, I see a lot of Cami players spam this and her stance. And medium punch is a really good button in this game. It's plus seven on hit, which goes right into crouching medium kick for her, which has great range. Um, and then it's plus three on block. Uh, it's got a six frame startup. You know, this is standard medium punch. So you would think that with a, a move with that frame data and how good it is, like it would be used a lot, right? It's actually not used that much by many cami players because of how good crouching medium punch is. And I, you know, just with messing around with crouching medium punch and training mode and stuff and comparing it to other characters, I felt like the move needs to push back a little bit more. Like in terms of if you block it, like I, I hate messing with characters combos um, because, you know, Street Fighter V is not a very combo heavy game to begin with. So I don't like messing with stuff on hit. Like I want kind of as many combos as we can get in this game. It's, it's good for the overall health and watchability and all that kind of stuff. So I often look at stuff like, if I'm successful on the defensive end, like if I block your attack, what reward are you still getting for that, right? That's mm -hmm. a huge emphasis for me as a player and as a, you know, someone who wants to see these games as balanced and, you know, um, proper as, you know, I can possibly get them, right? Um, so if I am successful in reading what you're doing, what kind of reward are you left at? What kind of position? And I feel like her crouching medium punch just leaves her too close to the opponent generally speaking and compared to what other players have you know and that that's been you know kind of a big issue for me but but how do you feel about that um i should back up a little bit and say that these characters have been on on our radar on our event hubs radar and so i've kind of been inspecting them but really where i stand right now i don't actually think cammy should i i'd be okay completely if she wasn't altered at all including the dive kick stuff that i was talking about earlier this is more like if you wanted to fine-tune things that this might be the thing that you would change to to make her even more correctly balanced or whatever you would call it that said um this it makes sense it's like she probably doesn't need that because she has other things to do it with right so it's like you don't you don't want to give characters too many options so uh what you're saying there makes sense but i haven't taken crouching medium punch or yeah crouching medium punch into the training mode um very much yet so i'm, I'm not certain on that and i don't want to you know I don't want to say things and then, you know, not be too sure about it. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't think Cammy needs that much change from what I've seen thus far. Uh, but I, I hear what you're saying, and that's a valid thing to investigate is what I'll say. And, and, and this is where I want to, you know, plug into our listeners here. We're, we're actively debating this stuff. We're going into training mode. We're watching footage. Um, we watch a lot of footage around here. We play the game a lot. We're trying to figure this out too. Uh, as I said from the get-go, we don't know about you know perfect balance changes and what exactly is to put out there. So we kind of want to pull back the curtain here and show you guys what these these discussions among our team look like, right? And when we have a consensus, we'll typically put it out there and you know uh, kind of say like this is from everyone on staff or like multiple people contributed to this article. Um, you know we've done that, and I mean we've seen literally numerous changes we put out there like Capcom has taken and, and done, and so. 
we're, we're certainly, you know, we don't have Capcom's ear exclusively. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, everything we say, like, put in the game, you know, type Let me just thing. make a quick phone call yeah. and change the sheet right now. <laughs> yeah, but we take this stuff very seriously, right? And we're, we're like, hey, if we're going to put this opinion out here, you know, how many qualifiers are we putting on it? Like, yeah, I'm not sure or this or that or whatever. Um but we also want to, you know, show our listeners like the process of what we're going through, trying to analyze this and, and be fair, right? So again, we we strongly encourage everyone out there listening. If you have a, you know, a strong opinion about this or, or any kind of thoughts, please like let us know. You know, we're happy to hear it. We can't respond to everything, but we are reading it, especially when you hit us up on Twitter. Um, but we're oftentimes going into the comments and other places as well to see what you have to say. Um, it, it's an important part of the feedback process, and um, we're going in there and saying like, hey, you know, Dream King, uh, like, did you see this? And and, and what do you think about it and all that kind of stuff. It is a constant discussion among our team. Like it never goes away and that's how it should be. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, we take it again very seriously and it's also a lot of fun. We get to talk about Street Fighter all day, like on the clock, like hell yeah, we're going to do that. Um, but anyway, speaking of talking about Street Fighter, uh, we wanted to get into to XSK Samurai and uh, his run at the Street Fighter League. He happens to play Akuma, which I don't know how to feel about that, but he is doing great. Uh, John, what are you seeing there? Okay, so Mikey from from NorCal, Samurai, he's been around in the FGC for quite some time. And actually, um, a little history moment right now, a little history story. My very first EVO was EVO 2010. My very first match was against Mikey and his mm-hmm. Ryu in, in Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter 4. And I lost. And I, so I lost my very first Street Fighter uh, EVO match. That was fairly demoralizing. Um, and and I, I had a good run in the loser's bracket after that. But... Anyways, um, so I've known Mikey for quite a while now, and and I can say that he has been a very solid player since day one um, from from me knowing him. And I've lost him a handful of times in tournament. Uh, I think I've bested him a few times, and, and certainly online, but but he's he's a very solid player. And so he's one of those guys that we've seen him at like top eight in CEO and such. Um, I, I don't think he's ever been like sponsored by a big, you know, a, a big wig sponsor. I think he's had some smaller ones and such and, and whatnot. But he's one of those players that you give him an opportunity to show what he's got and he'll show you what he's got. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are many of those out there. But he is a great example because Street Fighter League, as we've said many times, has been a fairly big success. It's been exciting to watch. I look forward to Thursdays and that part of my shift to be able to watch this because it's it's good play. It's it's I mean it's decent play. It's it's pretty good stuff. A lot of it. There are it's it's highlight reel worthy afterwards. And then also there's the the hype of the you know the 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 captains being as uh, colorful and and having as much character as they do. Toy doing barrel rolls and punk talking smack and whatnot. And then you have someone like Samurai who has not traditionally been the most colorful on the microphone, right? Is is but but he has been the reason to watch these last three weeks for those of you that i've been watching there's a character ban rule so we both teams get to ban one character before they go into a, a set and on um samurai's team he plays with idom who is actually the team captain and he uh idom gets his laura banned every single time right every single time it's been we ban idom's laura he goes to birdie he usually loses because it's his birdie instead of his laura and then uh, i believe his classico and his urian who's, who does okay um but ultimately they've played uh let's see five five sets total and samurai has ocv'd the last three weeks in the row as the anchor so that means he's nine and zero of his last nine games Overall in the season, Samurai is ten and two. His teammates collectively otherwise are two and ten. Wow. This has been an opportunity for this guy to uh, who hasn't been sponsored to show that damn it, he deserves it. He is someone that we want to see more of. And Street Fighter League has been maybe the catalyst for the change that we want to see for this particular player and players like him. Mm-hmm. So first off, shout outs to Mikey for being an amazing player. Uh, second of all, it's it's great that he's getting this opportunity. Shout out to Capcom for putting this on. And the big takeaway is it is providing a potential avenue for players. It's a new way to get under the spotlight for people that deserve to be there. And I was very excited to see that. Yeah, uh, big fan of Mikey. Um, he's been doing this a long time and he's always been good, real good. Like not just good, but real good. Just not 
necessarily up there with you know like a Daigo or a Justin Wong or something like that uh, and now he's getting a chance to shine and really put his name up there um, he's had these moments of great performances like if you look over the results you know through the years you'll see top eight performances at majors at big majors he's always been there you just don't always see him you know uh, um, he, just not as consistently as you might you know see the other big names and stuff up there so as you mentioned again it's a great way to watch you know Street Fighter League like seeing these players come up and I don't always get to see these guys but now that I am I can see the skill dedication and effort they're putting in like oh wow this is worth taking notice of and and you go well what was Street Fighter League supposed to be like you know the Capcom Pro Tour is at the pinnacle of performance and other things like that this is supposed to be another way to get familiar with these players um, see it in a different format and see it and go holy crap this is good this is really good. And as many detractors and other things as we had when it came out, this is a fighting game community classic for you. And that, ah, this sucks because it's different than what I expect. And hey, yet- if we didn't have bans, Idom's floor isn't banned. And maybe Idom wipes the floor with everybody and Mikey doesn't even get his chance. Yeah. And, and it, it's just, it's something different. It's experimental. It's worth trying out. Uh, and this has been cool. It's like, oh, hey, this is maybe another thing that we can have going in the fighting game community. That's a regular thing that people look forward to. You know, and, and it's like, yeah. And it's like, we're getting these cool stories now. Um, so again, we expressed, you know, skepticism about this on this very podcast. Like when this was first announced, we're like, oh yeah, here's some negative tweets about it. Here's like, you know, Justin Wong who's participating in there, like had some stuff to say even, right? Um it happens, right? Uh, but this has worked out really well, and I'm happy to see it. Two quick things on this. Uh, first of all, internally, Stephen Dream King likes to make a joke about how one time at Hadokan after uh, Eve, or after Capcom Cup 2014, I think it was, I got top eight and I had beaten Ryan Hart. And he's like, he always likes to bring that up. He's like, you're the guy that beat Ryan Hart, as if that were like my biggest accomplishment ever. And it's just this little joke we have. Um, after that, it was an off-stream match. I lost to Mikey. <laughs> that same tournament so right after i did my my biggest street fighter 4 moment uh, i lost to mikey and um and then the other thing is you brought up how you compared him to justin wong um last week when he was doing his third ocv he played against justin wong specifically justin wong's monot and he outlamed justin wong he timed him out yeah. not once he did it twice he, yeah, he, out, he timed out justin wong twice he doesn't pop off as you say he popped off he was like yeah like you yes. can see both arms up there and it's like all right like when you outlame justin wong you did something right there so boom yeah yeah so uh, that's we could have we could have gotten we didn't have to say anything else i could have just said started this with he outlamed justin wong twice boom <laughs> <laughs> well i'm gonna go pick up rashid Gotcha. <laughs> all right, y'all. That is going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Uh, once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you guys again soon. Okay, 10 points. I did it.